Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Here we are, folks, the second episode of the second season of SpongeBob Squid's Day Off, one of my favorite episodes of all time. It is the perfect pairing with your shoes untied because I think the two together really set the stage for how the rest of the second season of SpongeBob would go. And honestly, set a nice little peak point in the series of of quality. Like, this is a new level of quality here with SpongeBob. Um, so I have a lot of fond memories about this episode, Your Shoes Untied. I love them. I talked about Your Shoes Untied last week, uh, how much I enjoyed the, the song of uh, Loop De Loop. I played that the most on that SpongeBob CD. Which I think came later out during season two. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna have to look up the date on that because I clearly get my dates wrong. Now, last week on the show we debuted a new segment, uh, the snail mailbox, and there's a email address snailmail at euphonics.com that you guys can email me your questions or comments or my opinions on things. Things all having to do with the show. And I definitely said, hey, if I miss something for the uh, This Week in Nickelodeon segment, please message me. And like 80% of the emails I received were about one particular episode that I missed last week. And what's even more embarrassing is it's one of my favorite episodes of any cartoon ever. And, (laughs) oh boy, so we're going to jump right into uh, our, our new segment of this season, This Week in Nickelodeon, right now. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 I took my lashings, uh, and I will explain what happened in one second. But first off, we're going to start off 25 years ago. On December 16th, 1995, was the Ren and Stimpy Christmas special. Which is also the last episode of the show, of the Nickelodeon run of Ren and Stimpy. Um, which is, is just crazy to think about that they that they ended off on a Christmas episode. Um, what, what an episode to go off on, but A Scooter for Yaxmas is the episode of, uh, of Ren and Stimpy, the, the last one. Now, there, there were two segments that aired on MTV, I believe, the next year. But this was the final one on Nickelodeon. Um, man, what a what a series, Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy is so vitally important to animation, so vitally important to television animation, yet just has this gray cloud over it because of obvious reasons. And if you don't know those reasons, then... I, I can only assume you're a fringe fan of, of Ren and Stimpy, but um, Ren and Stimpy was created by a man called John Chris Felucci. Um, now, long story short of the rise and fall of Ren and Stimpy really comes down to John. It, it, it sets on his shoulders in so many ways. Um, John, in some ways in certain areas can be considered a bit of a genius. But I think that in those terms, in those ways have to be so specific into where you could call him a genius and where that lies, that line lies. Um, 
Now, certainly at this point, I wouldn't call him a genius in this modern day and age. But I believe that for those few moments in the early 90s, John was truly onto something that could have been bigger, but unfortunately couldn't because of John. Um, I have a lot of opinions on Ren and Stimpy. As I said, I think it is it is one of the most important pieces of animation, specifically for television animation, because uh, Ren and Stimpy was so madly popular at first. Uh, and unfortunately, I mean, if you go back and look at the history, uh, I, I keep saying the word unfortunately because there are some unfortunate circumstances when it comes to Red and Stimpy. But if you go back and look, they were plagued with delays, episodes not being delivered on time. John being such a perfectionist in a style that that laughed in the face of perfection, um, trying to get things so pitch perfect. And I, and I will admit, when you go back and watch... The, the first few seasons of Ren and Stimpy, you have some gold in there. You have some real gold. Gold that any other show at that time would have absolutely died for. But, man, what a what a waste. John Chris Felucci eventually was fired by Nickelodeon, and Bob Camp became his, his replacement as just the, the kind of showrunner, the guy in charge. And the quality of Ren and Stimpy went down a little bit, if you ask most people, in those later seasons. Of course, then John was brought back. I mean, not to get all into Ren and Stimpy. We can do this later on because I'm definitely going to talk about what comes next. But uh, Ren and Stimpy was brought back in the early 2000s with John Chris Felucci on board and no restrictions on Spike TV. They were building an animation block for adults, and one of the cornerstones of this block was... Ren and Stimpy with the original creator. But what you lose is you lose Billy West as Stimpy. And and I'm sorry, uh, Eric, Eric Bauza, I, I love you as a voice actor, but your Stimpy is just not right. And I, and I would hope that he would agree with that too, that there's no replacing Billy West as Stimpy. But um, so not only is Stimpy's voice off, but without restrictions... You, you would think, and this is this idea of, of having less restrictions is better. I think people work creatively with restrictions. I'd like to see what an artist can do under guidelines because that will show you the quality of their work. Without restrictions, yeah, in some ways I think some people flourish, but Ren and Stimpy was not one of those ways. The reason the adult jokes worked was because they were trying, they were in confines of a, a children's show. That's the reason why Rocco worked. Rocco's comedy was fantastic. The dirty jokes they were able to slide under the rug. Those exist because you had people so hard trying to make adult jokes within a, a children's show. If you just make adult jokes for the sake of it, it's not as funny. So that show crash and burned. And now we're getting a second revival of Ren and Stimpy on Comedy Central, this time seemingly with Billy West back, and I, I think Bob Camp has returned. I feel like this revival of Ren and Stimpy will hearken back to the original more so instead of trying to be a gross, in-your-face, adult mess of a cartoon. I think it'll be better. It'll certainly look and feel better. Um, I, I don't think they'll be able to reclaim that magic. And, and there's a reason why Ren and Stimpy is a, is a staple in our culture still, because there was just that instant impact, like a punch in the face. 
And as soon as you know it, they were gone. But yeah, Scooter for Yaksmiths, uh, they aired this a lot, even after Ren and Stimpy being gone. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan. Certainly as an adult, I've gone back and was able to appreciate Ren and Stimpy a little bit more. Uh, but uh, one of the big things about this episode is that the character of Stinky Wizzleteats is actually uh, a main part of this episode. You see, boys and girls, Stinky Wizzleteats is the uh, artist behind Happy Happy Joy Joy. In the world of Ren and Stimpy, it's one of the best episodes of the show, Stimpy's Invention. And of course, the song comes from that episode. But if you've listened to that song, the beginning is sung, you know, he says his name. This is your old pal, Stinky Wizzleteats. And in the world of Ren and Stimpy, Stinky Wizzleteats is basically a stand-in for Santa Claus. Uh, he's a bit of an alcoholic. Uh, he stays in a motel. And uh, and he made happy, happy, joy, joy. But uh, the Scooter Free Axmas was actually the only time he he physically fully appeared and was voiced um and he was voiced by bob camp now originally he was voiced by john chris Felucci, but um by by this time of the show he was definitely not around so uh bob camp took the voice duties of sticky Wizzleteats, and that was the uh ren and stimpy christmas the last episode of ren and stimpy 25 years ago this week that's still pretty cool good for them now here's the mistake and uh, I will take my lashes with this and just hear me out. When I was doing research for last week's episode, it was the first time that I was kind of crafting what this this first launch of a week in Nickelodeon would look like. And in my research, I found a very helpful tool to find some of these bigger Christmas episodes. And it's an entire Wikipedia specifically for Christmas specials. So as I'm going through and finding ones for different dates in December, Arnold's Christmas, December 14th, 1996, which would be 24 years ago. But as I'm writing this and getting this ready, I'm just quickly going through and writing everything down. Then all of a sudden, I'm getting a bunch of emails about how I'm wrong or that I missed Arnold's Christmas in, a, in this week in Nickelodeon history. And I go back and I look at the actual date of Arnold's Christmas and it's December 11th, 1996. So I don't know if it's going to be me, but somebody needs to go to that Christmas wiki and change the date of Arnold's Christmas because they're three days off. And I think they know why they made that mistake. Um, but it seems to be tied to a few other things I'm going to mention in this segment, and we'll get to that later. But let me just talk about Arnold's Christmas for a second. December 11th, 1996, 24 years ago. This Christmas special, more than any other, has stuck with me in a way that is profound. I absolutely love, cherish, appreciate, and am grateful for this Christmas episode. Because to me, it perfectly encapsulates what the Christmas season is about. More than any other Christmas special I've ever seen in my life. As a kid, it was impactful. And as an adult, it was impactful. And here's something I'm going to add to this impact. 
is that in my past, I did a fair amount of, of working with children. I was a teacher of sorts. And on three different occasions in my life, three different Decembers came by. And the one thing when you're working with young kids, um, you want to show Christmas specials during Christmas and you have a little bit more of relaxed fun, especially in that last week before Christmas. And three times I requested that I show the Hey Arnold Christmas special. And one of the the sh- things I will remember for the rest of my life is that out of these three years, two of the years were with older kids were able to from the beginning watch this love it understand it great the the one that happened in between the two groups of older kids was much younger and it was in the morning before school and i'm talking like first second grade level kids kids who have never seen hey arnold because this is like six years ago so hey arnold was not even there was no jungle movie or anything And the kids, when I start the special, some are paying attention, some are not. Most of all, kids are just okay with something being on the TV and they can fool around. The second the special got to Mr. Quinn's homeland and that you were able to see the war and the situation going on in South Vietnam, All eyes and attention was on the television. And I hope I get to tell this story to Craig Bartlett one day because I would love to meet that man to thank him for that show and um, and for that Christmas special. And all three times. I mean, it was the most striking for the younger kids, but all three groups of kids that I got to show that special to the second that the war is happening in South Vietnam. All attention is on that television until the credits roll. Like there's not it's not like once that part's over, kids go back to like talking or doing whatever. No, no. Like they are now invested in this story. And it's just such a beautiful story to me told from many different angles. Um, You know, the whole idea of Arnold just, you know, hey, Gerald gives him the advice. "Ah, just get Mr. Win a tie. Just get him something. And Arnold wanting to make it special. If you got to get one thing for someone, you want to make it special. You want to make it memorable because it shows how much you care. It's not about the quantity or how much you've spent. It's all about that it came from the heart. It came from the mind and it came from the heart. And for Helga to go through this whole thing throughout the episode of wanting to spend all this money on Arnold. And it ends up not to spoil anything, but where Helga learns, it's not even about what she wants. Her biggest gift for Christmas is to make Arnold happy. And if that means giving up these very rare snow boots of Nancy Spumoni, who was never, never pushed upon in the show. There was like this one episode where she was a big deal. But for these Nancy Spumoni snow boots, it is, it is worth the feeling of making someone else feel good to give up something that you love yourself. It would be very reasonable for any person to be in Helga's situation, just take the boots and to just move on with your life. But that's why it's nice to see Helga. And I think this is the episode where I legit, I just fell in love with the character 
and where I will tell people now, the main character of Hey Arnold is not Arnold himself. It is absolutely Helga. And it's for an episode like this. And um, this is just I, I could I could gush about this episode for for hours i i absolutely love it so much but uh kudos to helga kudos to mr bailey who on christmas eve having to work be stuck in that office and then it, what it seems like to be all night to to find mr quinn's daughter um it's just such a beautiful ending and i don't think there will ever be a time in my life even now i'm like tearing up about it but uh the music from Jim Lang, everything's so pitch perfect when when Mr. Wynn turns and sees his daughter. I, I've cried 24 years in a row over that scene. So, yeah, I, I know I messed up on that date and it was a simple error, but uh, either way, I'm actually kind of glad it wasn't last week because with the amount of uh, stuff we had to go through last week. It was getting a little, little up there. So, uh, I had to re-record that segment actually, but, uh, but yeah, 24 years ago, Arnold's Christmas, uh, the other, the, so this is the reason why I think they, they made this mistake is because in my research, I was also finding that two specials aired the same night on December 14th, 1996. And the other two were, Oh, Christmas Pete. The, uh, the Adventures of Pete and Pete Christmas episode and Merry Christmas Keenan. So I guess there was a there was a, a special snick on December 14th, 1996 that aired all these Christmas specials. And so I think Hey Arnold's Christmas just got lumped in, even though it aired three days earlier. But um, I don't have a lot of memories of the uh, Adventures of Pete and Pete episode. I love the Adventures of Pete and Pete. I love so much about it. But especially the uh, the third season, it's harder to get to since uh, apparently it's on DVD. Apparently, and this is from the Peets themselves, I would definitely check out uh, the podcast, The Adventures of Mike and Danny. But I met them live. We did a we, They did a live show up here in Connecticut, and I met them. And uh, I'm sure I, <laughs> it's one of my one of my. Uh, profile pictures on, on social media is my, my picture with those two. So, uh, I, I, hopefully they remember me. I hope I had somewhat of an impact on them. I tried to be, uh, as least annoying as possible with all of my questions, but, uh, while they were there that night, they actually mentioned that Paramount or whoever does the discs for, for Nickelodeon, which I think it's Paramount home media. They have the season three set done and printed, but apparently is just sitting in a warehouse, just hostage. Like it's done. It could be shipped. It could go out tomorrow, but they're just sitting on it. And it's been like that for years. So I have no idea what's going on, but um, yeah, it's much harder to get the, the third season of P and Keenan and Kel though, Merry Christmas, Keenan. I do remember. And it's actually along the same lines of Arnold's Christmas. It's one of my favorite Keenan and Kel episodes. And it's, it's very much the same end result. As Arnold, I, I think Arnold has a little bit more at stake than what's going on, because I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a of a, a TDRL of Merry Christmas, Keenan. But apparently all year, Keenan has been saving up to buy this very specific mountain bike. And as a Christmas present to himself, he wants to get it and to finish, you know, the, the rest of the money. He ends up getting a job as a uh, as a Santa, as a department store Santa. 
During this time, he finds out that this little boy also wants a bike, but not for himself. He wants his a bike for his sister. And his family are actually... Um, I don't remember how it comes out in the episode, but I know that his family is a little bit underprivileged. Uh, poor, if you will. So they're not really able to, I think, afford a bike. And what Keenan ends up doing is... Seeing this little boy not want something for himself and want something for his sister and Keenan Keenan's heart grows and he gets the mountain bike and breaks into the to the kid's house to bring them the bike. And there's this the moment that he gets caught, because I remember he gets caught and the mom kind of realizes what's going on. And it's it's just a sweet ending to an episode and, and Keenan gives this, you know, this little girl, this really nice mountain bike. And, um, I, I'm, it's just kind of hitting me now that both Arnold and Keenan and Kel had these Christmas specials come out 24 years ago, it, it, like within the same week, obviously, but, um, and just how similar that, that whole sentiment of is, it's not really about what you get. It's, it's about, the smile you can put on others' faces. The hope being that it goes around full circle and somebody does that for you. Somebody goes out of their way to put a smile on your face. So anyway, that was um, that was all the Christmas specials for that year. But uh, 12 years ago this week, this is the last item here, our iCarly had uh, iChristmas, which doesn't stick out to me as a Christmas special I remember, but I, I do really like iCarly. It was probably the last Nickelodeon show I watched like with new episodes on television because very shortly after that kind of finishing up, I was very close to moving out. And after I left my parents, I just didn't have cable anymore. I just always went by Internet. So new shows on Nickelodeon, it was it's a lot tougher for me to follow. So I Carly might have been my swan song that are victorious. But with this news of iCarly coming back, it's it's actually kind of exciting. But I don't know if anyone else noticed, but Jeanette McCurdy was nowhere to be found in that announcement. And how do you bring iCarly back with just Carly, Freddie, and Spencer? And in what way? I mean, I, I don't know if any plot details have leaked or anything. I haven't really looked into it. It was just kind of a headline I saw. And it was it was exciting to see. But the only thing I can think of as far as, as a continuation of the series... I don't see it being just like, oh, Carly moving back in with Spencer at the apartment building and she needs to reboot iCarly. I think the one thing that makes sense is that iCarly itself is becoming a bigger deal and there's an actual studio set and it's more about putting on the show and, and the shenanigans that go on there. And maybe there's some home life skits or whatnot, but that's where I see Freddie being brought back as as kind of the camera operator again, but on a bigger, bigger set. And uh, and Spencer maybe being brought in to help out with stuff. That's just my guess, given that everybody's a little older and it would just seem weird to kind of go back and do the same thing. And and how does a how does a revival of that look? But with no Jeanette McCurdy, that just seems off. It's like when they um, they rebooted That's So Raven. They did Raven's Home. And uh, Orlando Brown, even though for understandable reasons was not brought back, but like there was just this massive hole missing that you just can't fill. And even I think Kyle Massey didn't didn't even show up for the show. I mean, maybe he did now for for one episode. I know that there was one episode with Rondell Sheridan, but um, 
But yeah, I don't know how I feel with a with a Samless iCarly. I wonder if if maybe there's just still some uh, bad blood or, or burnt bridges from the whole Sam and Cat debacle. It didn't even seem like it was an issue with Jeanette. It seemed like it was more of an issue with Ariana. That whole thing was just a mess, and then everything that happened with Schneider after that. Yeah, that's a can of worms we are not opening up today, because today is Squid's Day Off, and we're going to get to the episode right after this. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. And we're back. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. This episode is Squid's Day Off, one of my favorite episodes of SpongeBob in its entirety. And now that I'm saying that, I still have to do my season one breakdown, and I'll uh, I'll probably schedule that at some point in January. I'm looking to get back into streaming once a week, uh, starting in January, um, probably for an hour or two every week, but just something goofy, nothing serious. SpongeBob games, Nickelodeon games, whatever, whatever you guys want, uh, and that'll be a nice little little weekly hangout. But uh, but that'll be in January. Squid's Day Off, in the in the terms of all of SpongeBob, would not only make my top ten, would probably make my top five. Now, as I'm thinking that, not being as sure, but I'm pretty positive it would definitely make the top five. <laughs> but uh. As a boss, and I and I've I've done this before, where um, while you're working, you might have to go out, and not necessarily on on your break, but for anything outside of that, that would be considered your break. You know, if you want to run over to a store and grab something, but you're working, I've I've been in Squidward's situation before, not necessarily leaving an employee to do something they wouldn't know how to do i mean he he teaches or shows off spongebob about the cash register what seems to be the first time since spongebob has been at, at this establishment um i wouldn't do that to an employee and especially just leave one there alone because i i don't know what squidward was was really thinking uh, i mean if there happened to have been a lunch rush that day i'm not denying that spongebob isn't responsible enough but um I, I, I he was being really irresponsible in this in this case because uh you know even though he lucked out to just be like okay you do this I'm going home the crusty crab seems to be at least a two man operation cuz before SpongeBob gets there it seems to just be Mr. Krabs and Squidward uh now I I know that there was uh, previous fry cooks and and whatnot I'm talking like first episode when you're introduced to the characters it just seems to be those two working there it is so 
for Squidward to just up and leave, like I kind of understand it. Um, but it would have just been all in all better for him to tell SpongeBob he's going to do some errands and then close the Krusty Krab. Like that way, SpongeBob, you know, thinks he's waiting for customers and no one's getting in. Like that would have been the best case scenario. Or just tell SpongeBob, oh, Mr. Krabs is going to the hospital. Uh, we're we're closing up. We're we're not a. Uh, we're not opening today, uh, but I. But literally, anytime I have to leave my store for anything that's not my break, like if even if it's something work related, like you know, I, I got to run to the bank. Uh, that's an errand. So anytime I leave, I'm always thinking of of Squidward and SpongeBob in this episode. So it, it happens pretty frequently. But if you want to watch along with me, you can of course get your uh, get your. Uh, device, whatever you like to watch SpongeBob on and uh, put in the episode. Of course, there is no uh, opening theme. So we're starting now. Boom. Right at the beginning of the uh, of the title guard there. Uh, directed by Walt Dorn and Paul Tibbet. Uh, written by Walt Dorn, Paul Tibbet. And what was that guy's name? Oh, man. And I don't want to. Uh, Meriwether Williams. Um, Jim Schumann is the storyboard artist. Animation is Andrew Overtom. And I believe this is his first episode here, uh, Andrew, for an animation director. I want to actually get that information right, so I'll look at it in a second. Uh, and, of course, creative Derek Dryman. Um, my favorite name to uh, to read <laughs> because it's just so perfect for SpongeBob. It works in so many ways. Uh, I, of course, luckily... Have only ever worked on one job that has a, a bell for service. I don't know. Um, it, it, let me just tell you, in that one job, it was fairly annoying because you could literally be right there. And I'd have customers that if I wasn't looking at them in the eyes as they walked up to the counter, they would ring the bell. Like it definitely was a power move on their part. Um like just to get your attention, like my body would be right in front of the cash register. If I had to, if I happen to be talking to the person, you know, right in the back, like they would ring the bell just to make sure I look at them. But um, here we have uh, the, <laughs> the, a look into the world of Mr. Krabs. Now he was a penny pincher from the beginning, but as I've mentioned uh, either in the last episode of season one or last week's episode, over time, Mr. Krabs just becomes way, way more cheap. And here we have a situation where <laughs> he's literally hurting himself to get this dime out of the drain. Um, and I honestly would love to hear his his reasons for not letting go of a dime. Um, now, there, there's always been a level of physical comedy in this show, but th these are this is a very... <laughs> long-running gag that goes on and everything that falls that falls off of that uh shelf is just just so funny it, it, it's one of those things that physical comedy will always be hilarious if done right no matter how old you are how young you are how many times you've seen it if it could be done right it's one of the perfect pieces of comedy that is universal because it's physical. You don't need, there's no language barriers. So Mr. Krabs is getting hit in the head with a pot, glass, frying pan, lunchbox, treasure chest, anchor, buoy, deep sea diver, and dime would be funny no matter what language you speak. Um, but everything, <laughs> 
I love the amount of freak out Squidward goes through this episode. Uh, I can only think of one time I've left a store and felt anxious about leaving it. Uh, and it's it was definitely at some point this year. I'm not going to go into details, but let me tell you that, of course, the second I felt this way, the, the thought of Squidward running back to the store kept going through my mind because as I was out and I was doing important work related things, but as I was out getting some stuff, I had that this whole episode was just playing in my head the, the, the entire time. How does he not recognize that the, the the sign for the amount of times he goes back to the Krusty Krab, you think on one of those occasions he would see the closed sign, which is just crazy that SpongeBob just randomly finds it at the end. And all those times Squidward running by the the entrance just doesn't catch it. But here's another thing. If this is a day where the Krusty Krab, I find it doubtful if you've worked at any store, um, well, if anybody listening out there has experience working in a store, you should know that it, that if you have an opening time, depending on where you work, you have people waiting out of the store for you to open. And I can imagine, like, look, fast food, I did Dunkin' Donuts. I have three years of Dunkin' Donuts under my belt. Let me tell you. When we would open that store, there would be somebody right at that that first minute, right at the drive-thru, and sometimes waiting outside the door right for when we unlock so they can walk in. Imagine not opening up right when you're expected to. Those people would definitely say something. So it's kind of kudos to the citizens of Bikini Bottom who seem to be very attentive to notice the closed sign and not even walk up and check. They just seem to accept it because you think at least one guy would have walked up banging on the door or would have walked in to see if it was actually closed or not and would have walked in. But no one did. No one did because they must have read the sign. That doesn't happen. Let me tell you, no one reads signs. I work at a store right now where where signage on the front is the most important part because it answers literally half the questions people are going to ask coming in and they don't read. I could plaster 10 of the same sign on a door and someone will walk right by it without giving it a second thought. So very, very kudos to the uh, to the crowd in Bikini Bottom there. <laughs> But that that would freak me out if I was thinking about a place burning up and right after uh, a fire truck runs by with its lights on. I, I don't blame Squidward for this one. But the fact that he gets mad that it, the place is not on fire kind of kind of is kind of funny. It, it is. I, I It's one of those just little subtle things about with Squidward. I just didn't didn't get when I first watched this. But then over repeat viewings. It's like, man, I love that that guy gets angry that the place is not on fire. <laughs> like, worst case scenario is completely averted, but, but I, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still a grouch. And if he would really, instead of just trying to take the whole day off, if he would limit himself to an hour, if he would just say to himself, look, I'm going to stay away for an hour I think he would be able to enjoy himself for that hour, even if it was two or three. But the fact that he's forcing himself to do a whole day uh, is really something. 
these are the rare moments, though, at Squidward where you actually get a look at his conscience a little bit. Because as, even though Squidward is very rough and tough and angry and grumpy, he he does seemingly have a baseline conscience. And this is one of them. He's he's not able to take a hooky day. He, like, feels weird about it. And it's like, you know what, man? Just stay at work if you're, if you're that anxious. But um, have you ever annoyed somebody? Uh like Spongebob does saying are you finished with those errands because man after this episode aired I feel bad for my poor mother who probably heard that for a couple months constantly are you finished with those errands hey are you finished with those errands 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 um the way Spongebob mentions to make change for a dollar or four quarters ten dimes twenty nickels one hundred pennies one quarter three dimes seven nickels and ten pennies here's a little piece of trivia for you there are 237 other different ways to make change for a dollar not mentioned. And there's 288 different ways if you're including the rare half dollar. I have not seen that circulation in so long. Once in a while, you get a weirdo who hands you a half dollar or they give you one of those um, Sacagawea gold uh, dollar coins, which I associate only with the road to El Dorado, because I hope other people remember that uh, in copies of that VHS, you had a chance to win a, a dollar coin. And when that came out on VHS, I I was at a stop and shop and they had a bunch of the V. They had like a rack out that had like 10, 20 of these VHSs. And uh, I just looked in all of them and got like eight eight or nine dollars or something like that it was crazy it was like eight or nine of those coins um but yeah I, like anytime i see those coins i just think of the road to el dorado i know it was bad of me i'm not proud of it i could if i could take it back i would but you know i was a i was a young kid and there was gold and i did what i had to do to get that gold um spongebob is really good at making change let's just think about that uh, Squidward's little squid transformation here. Um, definitely one of the creepiest things I have ever seen. <laughs> just the, just the look of it and the extended head. And of course, Squidward here, uh, running to back to the Krusty Krab completely naked. Uh, one thing I, I read about this episode and I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know which episode it was. Uh, this is the last episode to feature an M shape of Patrick's eyebrows instead of the, the Z. So for those watching the first season, Patrick had very like, it looked like he had not, I don't want to say hairy, but the way that the, the eyebrows looked, they were kind of like this M shape and it looked like kind of two little pieces of hair. Um, this is the last episode to feature it. And starting with something smells, Patrick, um, just went to the to the now known Z style of eyebrow, which I definitely think fits him a lot better than the than the M shape. And I'm glad they changed that. Um, but apparently in the episode Big Pink Loser. He still is the M shape, which now thinking about it, I'm like, all right, now now I'm, I'm remembering a little bit uh, where where they went back to that. But yeah, very quickly in uh, season two, they uh, they switched it over. I love also how you hear the zipper sound when SpongeBob takes off his pants, even though they're like slip ons. And this whole end part 
as an adult, uh, can my fellow adults be with me here that you have had days where you feel like Squidward when his nose pops off of his face and you have air just deflating out of you? Man, when you grow older, you get to really understand Squidward in, in such a good way. Uh, but that was Squid's Day Off. I, like I said, I, I have a, such a love for this episode. I have personal situations that remind me of this episode it's just it's so good when you're when you're on that level and you're in charge and you and you do something that squidward did or or leave for a little bit like don't tell me this episode doesn't pop in your head for any of the the spongebob fans out there um yeah this was andrew overtoom's first episode as an animation director so what a fantastic job what a great episode absolutely love it Definitely has some questions here and there, but but man, I, this is classic SpongeBob. This is, you know, I've mentioned it before. Find that one episode you would show a non-SpongeBob fan, and man, there's so many from season two and three I would show, and this is one of them because it is, it is just relatable for other adults. I think they would find the humor in that, and and Squidward is a great character to to get behind, especially if you're an adult because you're gonna. You're going to find more in common with him than you're going to find with SpongeBob or Patrick or even Mr. Krabs. So, yeah, this is something I would absolutely show uh, even like my mother who tolerated SpongeBob, but may have not ever sat down and watched an episode. This would this would be a a thought in there. And that was uh, that was Squid's Days uh, (laughs) Squid's Days off. Nope. It was just a single day and barely a day at that. But uh, let's let's dig into the the snail mail box and see what everyone has written me this week. All right. As previously mentioned, I did receive all of your emails having to do with Missing Arnold's Christmas. Uh, a few colorful, colorful emails there. Uh, nothing, <laughs> there was actually a good laugh because after the first one, I'm just going, oh, man, I can't believe I forgot that. And I, I received those lashings. Uh, but we got uh, we got a few messages this week. This one, Steve from Massachusetts. All right. Our northern brothers. Hey, Eric, do you have a favorite Nickelodeon movie? I've always enjoyed Good Burger myself. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, well, if we're talking about the Nickelodeon, well, I'm just going to be real here. The fact that you mentioned Good Burger, I'm I'm going to take that as the uh, the Nickelodeon theatrical films. Um, my favorite is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, uh, but if I had to go with like a non Nicktoon one, I would probably say Good Burger. Uh, just like you had mentioned it, I mean, I uh, I grew up with Good Burger. I saw it in theaters. I watched all that, and I I absolutely adore that movie. And there's a reason why it's just kind of stayed the test of time uh, in in people's thoughts because it is just one of those weird, wacky comedies that exist, and I'm glad it exists. Um, I I love everything about Good Burger. I'm glad that that's your. Uh, it seems like that's going to be your favorite pick there. Um, but uh, but for me, like Good Burger is definitely up there as a as a big live action one. I also enjoy Harriet the Spy a bit, uh, and I think over time it's certainly lost its luster. Uh, certainly the way I viewed it as as a kid, it's as an adult you kind of look at it differently. Um, not not in a bad way. It's just when you go back and watch certain movies you enjoyed as a kid, you start to you look at them through a more critical lens. You're now an adult. You're now paying attention to different things than you did as a kid. So certain movies like you can think about enjoying them as a kid. And then you watch them as an adult. That's Harriet the Spy. But I, I do think it still holds up very well. 
Um, I like Jim Carrey's Lemony Snicket's movie. Um, although I completely before before this, I I forgot it was even a Nickelodeon movie. I just thought it was a Paramount thing. And then when I went to go look at the list, uh, just just to double check to see if there would be anything I I missed on there, I saw it and I'm like, oh yeah, that that is a Nickelodeon movie, huh? Well, they they did such a good job in the Netflix show. I completely forgot about it. So yeah, my favorite SpongeBob SquarePants movie, and I and I really love Good Burger. If you haven't seen Good Burger, I think it's still available on Netflix. I would definitely just take a take a, some time out of your day and watch it, uh, and and just come just enjoy that movie. Everything with Keenan and Kel, absolutely love them. Um, Logan from Florida. Hey, Eric, I recently found your show from the SpongeBob Movie Rehydrated's Twitter page, and I've loved your show so far. If you had to make another show similar to Squarecast about another Nicktoon, what would you choose? Do you also have a non-Nickelodeon show you would do as well? Um, Logan, I I would absolutely... Now, uh, Alexis and I have joked about this on uh, on the episode that I had her on about an Invader Zim podcast in a very similar light to this going through each episode but if i if i had to pick another show i would probably pick hey arnold and and go through episode to episode through the movie to the jungle movie i think i would really enjoy that because arnold as a show run ran for about 100 episodes so yeah you're getting a a couple hundred episodes out of that that you can do I, i don't think zim would be very finite um you can certainly talk about the, the the two seasons of the show, the movie. I think it would be important to delve into the comic series because that helped influence the movie a lot and, and kind of has kept Zim alive through the years. Uh, without those, though, the only other one that comes to mind that I would that I think I would enjoy very much doing would be for the Fairly Odd Parents. The only thing that scares me, though, is uh, I can deal with the season with Poof and I can deal with the season with Sparky, but I, I season 10 really scares me as a fan of that show. I was just kind of ex- it's actually weird because I was explaining to somebody the other day about um, I, I was answering some Nickelodeon themed question and they asked why I didn't pick the Fairly Odd Parents, And I said, look, like everything before Poof is grade A and everything with Poof and Sparky is like a B and with Chloe, it's just it's just an F. It has to be even ungraded. Not that there's a new female character, but I I never minded new characters if they don't if they don't upset the core of the show. And I've explained this to many friends, um, and it's kind of the reason why I've always given I've more I've given Kimmy as a character more flack than Dill because Dill is a prop. Dill is like Spike. He can be used in episodes, but he doesn't have to be there. Kimmy came in and moved right into the core of the show. Now, new characters can certainly plant themselves and become staples. It is certainly um, a possibility. But Kimmy didn't like even though she upset the flow, she didn't upset the core because the core of the show are babies having adventures. Doesn't say specifically has to be Tommy, Chucky, Phil, and Lil because there have been episodes where it's just Tommy and Chucky. There have been episodes that are centered more around Phil and Lil and there have been episodes around Angelica. It's about babies having adventures. The core of Fairly Odd Parents is 
Timmy, Cosmo, and Wanda. That is your core. That is your heart. And it would be one thing to add Chloe as a character and make her either a, a friend or a nemesis. I think she should have had her own fairly godparent, um, kind of in the same way they did with Remy, but something more permanent. Oh, this girl in my class has a fairly godparent. That's something exciting. Maybe she overdoes or overturns a, a Timmy wish, like Timmy wishes for Crocker to have a piranha in his pants and then she wishes it away like that might upset the flow but it doesn't upset the core because at the core it is still Timmy Cosmo and Wanda at the end of the day but with season 10 they pushed Chloe right into the core and messed with that and I just hate that the show ended on that note even though I have also read from some people that they don't consider season 10 the end and that they would rather consider the three live action movies as more of a finale. And I'm fine with that, too. But yeah, uh, so fairly odd parent. So, hey, Arnold, fairly odd parents, Invader Zim. Those would be my my three Nicktoons if I ever had to do this again, uh, which, I, you know, look, th- this show has a finite amount of episodes, too. Um, you know, there's, there's 10 seasons of the show, 11 seasons, there's three movies, a handful of specials, but that's it. At some point I may catch up with new episodes and there might have to be a, a wait point for this show to continue. So I've definitely thought about other Nicktoons to kind of, uh, be able to tackle in those times where, I might be coming up to a moment where like, uh-oh, uh, I'm going to be closing in, but that's not going to happen for a while. We just started season two. Season three is not going to be a, for another year from now or so. So I'm not worried about uh, needing another show. But yeah, expect a Hey, Ar- a hey Arnold show out of me at some point down the road. But that's going to be this week for the Squarecast. Now, if you want to email me your questions, please email me at snailmail at euphonics.com, U-F-O-N-Y-X.com. Whatever you'd like about the show, comments, concerns, opinions, but your questions are nice. I I love getting questions like that that kind of can sit with me from the moment I see them until the moment I record and I can uh, change the answer or whatnot. I I really enjoy those things, Um, and I'd I'd like to see more of you guys a part of the show. So uh, thank you for everything. We will see you here next week. Everybody out there, stay safe. Don't forget to wear a mask, and I hope to see you next time. I'm ready! Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in 
inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.